Amen. Thank you so much for that wonderful music. Take your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Hebrews, chapter number 12. Hebrews, chapter number 12, this morning. Hebrews, chapter number 12. Today, we are continuing our series of messages entitled, The Journey, Your Adventure Begins Now. And uh, we've been looking now at several weeks at metaphors in the Word of God. And uh, today we are going to look at uh, the Christian runner, as the Bible in many different uh, areas of the Word of God speaks of an athlete or a runner. Now before I get started this morning, um, I was approached um, by two different people this morning, and uh, so uh, I don't want anybody to be alarmed. Um, I I just figured now is the time to share this uh, from the pulpit. Um... Someone came to me this morning and said, Pastor, we hear you're moving. Where are you going? Um, Just down the road, okay? Um, About a day after we got back from our youth camp, uh, as many of you know, since we've moved here, uh, we've been renting. And uh, when we got back from youth camp, I got a phone call that said... uh, that uh, they would like to sell the home. And uh, so uh, we began to pray and ask the Lord to give us wisdom and guidance about the next move in our lives. And uh, God opened up a door, and uh, we have bought a home. And um, we are uh, closing on it uh, probably next week, or this week rather. And so. Um, uh, you pray for us as we begin this journey, and uh, just so you know, now you're stuck with me. And uh, so, <laughs> um, so anyways, uh, not to be alarmed, uh, we, uh, we are in the moving process, and uh, so you pray for us as we do that, and uh, that everything will go smoothly and uh, well, and uh, you pray for our Brother Jamie uh, Winters as they are trying to sell their home. And uh, you pray that God will open up the door to find them a seller because they're looking to buy a home there in Nashville where God has moved them. And uh, so lots of moving parts right now. And so you just uh, pray that uh, God would be in the midst of all of that and uh, we'll thank him for it. Hebrews chapter number 12 um, is where we're at this morning. God likens the Christian life to a marathon race. You are a runner and he is your coach. A successful race is possible uh, when, when every child of God uh, who submits to the coach's instructions and runs with patience until he crosses the finish line. So this morning, just for a few moments, we're going to look at the idea of being a Christian runner. If you have your Bibles in your Hebrews chapter number 12, would you stand with me this morning? Uh, we're going to read two very familiar uh, verses and uh, gather our thoughts today. So Hebrews chapter number 12, we're going to start reading in verse number 1. The Bible says this, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse number two, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand. Of the throne of God. Father, we love you. We're thankful today for the word of God. We're thankful today uh, that uh, we can run this race that you've set before us. 
Lord, I pray in the few moments that we have together that we'll be encouraged and that we'll be strengthened. And uh, Lord, even though this is a very familiar passage of Scripture, I pray that we will glean new insights today as we study your word. Lord, we love you, but most of all, we thank you for loving us. For it's in your precious and holy Son's name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of taking notes uh, on your bulletin this morning, there's an outline on the back of it. Number one, the question is, why do we run? Why do we run? Why do we run this race as a Christian? So what's the motivation uh, of the runner in the Christian race? Why, why do we want to achieve the race as a Christian? You know, many times, and it's unfortunate, uh, in many corporate settings, people accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and they say, I'm going to be a Christian, and then they leave that setting, and uh, they're never encouraged to actually go past the starting gates. They're never encouraged to continue and begin the race that God has set before them. And it's a race that is, uh, the finish line is very attainable. And, and there, are many, uh, 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 there are many goals and that there are many prizes along the way if we will stay and run the race. So what's the motivation? First of all, we run because of the witness of heroic runners. We run because of the witness of heroic runners. One of my favorite uh, chapters in all the Bible is Hebrews chapter number 11. And we read in Hebrews chapter number 11, literally uh, uh, the hall of faith, if I can put it that way to you, or maybe the hall of fame in the Bible. Uh, as we look at Hebrews chapter number 11, we see all of these men and women of God that, that decided, that dug in deep, and they decided that they were going to stay in the race, that they were going to run to the finish line. Hebrews chapter 11 has often been called God's hall of faith because this chapter highlights many of God's faithful runners. First of all, we find Abel offered a blood sacrifice by faith. Abel decided that he was going to obey God and do exactly what God had told him to do, which was to make a sacrifice by blood. The Bible says Enoch pleased God by faith. Uh, Enoch is a very intriguing character in the Word of God. We find that Enoch walked with God and was. The Bible tells us that he was translated into heaven. He was so close to God, he just walked on to heaven. And uh, Enoch was a man that pleased God. Noah built an ark by faith that even now, some uh, 2,000 plus years later, even more, people are still talking about this ark. As a matter of fact, there, there, there is a place right now that is building a life-size replica of this ark because Noah built the ark by faith. He did what God told him to do and God saved his family. Abraham obeyed God and moved to Canaan by faith. I don't know if you realize the story of Abraham. You know a lot about Abraham, but Abraham literally, God told him to move to Canaan. He uprooted his whole family, didn't know anybody, didn't even know where he was going. He just went because that's what God told him to do. Sarah delivered Isaac as a 90-year-old woman by faith. God promised that he would uh, uh, give them a son, and God allowed that to take place. Abraham then offered up Isaac by faith. Isaac and Jacob blessed their sons 
by faith. Joseph encouraged Israel to return to the promised land by faith. Moses' parents hid him by faith. Moses chose to suffer affliction with his people, rather enjoy the pleasures of sin like Lot did by faith. Moses led the Israelites through the wilderness and instructed them to keep the Passover by faith. Rahab spared the lives of the Israelite spies by faith. These are our heroes. And Hebrews chapter number 12 and verse number 1 indicates that these heroes mentioned in chapter 11 peer over heaven's portals calling to us and cheering us on in the race that was set before us. Listen to me, church, this morning. I want you to understand that all of these people that we just mentioned, every single person's name that we mentioned is just as much human and just as much flesh as you and I are. You know the difference? They made the decision to begin the race and to continue the race by faith, doing the best that they know how to. Listen, that is exactly what God calls us to do. He calls us to get into the race and do the very best that we can. And now all these people that we mentioned, did they ever mess up? Absolutely. Do they ever make mistakes? Absolutely. Do they ever do things that, that God uh, had to rebuke them for? Absolutely. But still, God, because of their faith, puts them in literally like a hall of fame for us to mimic our lives after. Running the Christian race is not accomplished by special talents reserved for a select few, listen to me, but rather by ordinary people who have faith in an extraordinary God. You see, it is ordinary people just like you and I that have faith in an extraordinary God. Can I ask you a question this morning, church? Is there anything too hard for God? There is nothing too hard for God. You say, Pastor, you don't know my past. Pastor, you don't know what I'm going through in, in, in this moment in my life. Listen, we all face trials. We all face tribulations. When you talk about a runner on the race, certainly they face exhaustion. Certainly they face different difficulties along the way. But what we have to realize is that we are ordinary people who have to have faith in an extraordinary God. And he will see us through the race. Not only that, but we're going to run to win the prize. We're going to run to win the prize. Why do we run, Pastor? Because there's a prize to be obtained. Athletes are motivated by winning. Paul freely spoke of the crowns he wanted to obtain for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians chapter number 9, the Bible says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain. Run that ye may obtain. And then verse 25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. Listen to me, church. For the Christian, this is as bad as it'll ever get. Amen, preacher. That's good right there. Are you awake this morning? Listen, this is as bad as it will ever get. We have heaven to look forward to. We, we have heaven to obtain. We, we have a prize. Listen, listen, all the problems that you're facing today, all the issues that we're facing today, may I remind you that it only gets better. 
please don't take this the wrong way, but I know it's been very hot lately. Amen. This is as hot as it will ever get for the Christian. Are you with me? We have and we are obtaining the crown, the incorruptible crown. So we must run that we may obtain it. We know that Paul suffered greatly in his service for the Lord. In 2 Corinthians, the most autobiographical, uh, biographical of all of Paul's epistles, he lists some of these difficulties. You may have never studied this before. Many times when we refer to Paul, we talk about his thorn in the flesh. But do you understand, according to 2 Corinthians, he struggled greatly in the Christian life. Listen to what it says. 2 Corinthians chapter number 11. Of the Jews, five times, listen to this, five times received I 40 stripes, save one. On five different occasions, he was whipped 39 times. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Three times I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I have been in the deep. Are you with me? In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often, in cold, and even without clothing, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. Listen to me, church. Paul suffered greatly. But you know what Paul said? Paul said, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of Jesus Christ. He said, no matter what comes my way, no matter the burdens in my life, no matter the torment and the struggle, no matter the heavy care of the churches, I am going to press on. Even one of those sufferings would discourage the average Christian from continuing the race. Why then did Paul continue? Why did he press on in ministry even when his life was threatened? Because he knew that there was a prize In the end, Paul kept his eyes on the prize. When his body was racked with pain or sagging with weariness, the prize motivated him to press on. What's the prize, pastor? The prize is Jesus Christ. The prize is a heavenly home. The prize is the crowns that we'll be able to throw back at Jesus' feet. The prize is victory in Jesus My Savior forever. It's the prize. One day every Christian will see Jesus face to face. And what a joy it will be to have successfully finished our race. And hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. 
Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Listen, I've told you often that I enjoy my father telling me that he's proud of me. Or I enjoy my father saying, you did a good job. And any of us, in the, and if we were honest, would say the same thing. We like when people tell us that we're doing well. Can you imagine? Can you imagine with me just a moment? Because I can't even fathom it. Can you imagine standing in the presence of Jesus Christ? The Savior of the world, the one who went to the cross and was died and was buried and rose again and gave his life for me to stand in front of him and him look at me and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into the joy of the Lord. What an amazing, amazing prize that really is for the Christian that's running the race. The second question is not only why do we run, but how do we run? How do we run? How how do we run this race? We know why we do it, but how do we do it? Running is an intense sport that requires diligent discipline and thorough training. An untrained runner cannot get up the morning of an Olympic competition and decide then to compete. He must learn to run properly to even qualify for the race. This is the year of the Olympics, and there are many things surrounding that and a lot of excitement. But I want to tell you that none of these Olympic athletes woke up yesterday and said, I think I'll try. I think I'm going to give it a go and see what happens. No, 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 no. They woke up a long time ago, and they made the decision and the determination that there was a goal in mind. And that goal was to be on the platform and someone put a gold medal around their neck and then for the flag to drop and them to sing or play the national anthem. There is a goal in mind. It's a lot of training. There's a lot of heartache. There's a lot of discipline that goes into this. So how do we run the race as a Christian? Well, God has given us specific instructions on running our Christian race. When we follow his directions, we are equipped to run the race and to win it. Where are his instructions, Pastor? They're right here. They're right here. Let me help you with this for a moment and encourage you. These are the instructions Please don't go try to find your own instructions or someone else's made up instructions. God has given us everything that he wants us to have right here in his 66 books in the Bible. It's hard to understand sometimes, Pastor. I understand that. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit of God. To be able to discern it. To be able to understand it. That's why he's given us preachers and teachers to to help uh, expound on the word of God. That's why he's given great Christian authors. That's why he's done all of these things. But ultimately, all of those things should point back to this. It should not point back to this. This is our instruction book on how to run the race. First of all. And these are very simplistic thoughts, and I, and I hope you'll be simplistic with me this morning. First of all, run with all you have. Run with all you have. Listen, uh, when we talk about life and we talk about, you know, trying to have accomplishments in our life, you're either all in or you're all out. I don't believe there's anything in between. 
Are you with me? You're either all in or you're all out. It's your choice. You make that decision. You're either going to do something wholeheartedly or you're not going to do it at all. I don't, I don't think there's a such thing as half-heartedly because then you're not all in. Run with all that you have. Runners involve their entire self in winning their race. A runner's effort extends far beyond moving his or her legs. The, uh, in doing some research, we find out that when they run, the, the heart speed increases to give the blood needed oxygen. His, the lungs work to bring in all the oxygen possible. And his muscles counterbalance each other to propel him forward. The runner's entire body is contributing to the goal of winning the race. I, I enjoy watching sometimes the Olympics and I always get uh, compelled when they begin to run. And, and just as they're getting ready to cross the finish line, I don't know how they keep their balance, but somehow the top part of their body ends up across the finish line before their legs ever get there. And you'll watch this happen. And you know what they're doing? They don't care if they fall. They don't care if they trip. They don't care if they end up bleeding when it's all over with. All they care about is getting their body across the finish line to obtain the prize. Their whole body, everything that they have is contributing to that one thought. Jim Elliott, a missionary to Ecuador who was martyred at the age of 28, said this. Wherever you are, be all there. Live to the hilt every situation you believe to be the will of God. You know what Jim Elliott is saying? He's saying, listen, if you're going to go, go all in. Number letter B, not only run with all you have, but run within the rules. Run within the rules. Just as there are codes for running a race, including qualifications for entering the race as well as winning the race, even so God has given us instructions for running the Christian race. The race begins at the moment that you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. If you're here this morning and you believe that Jesus Christ is who He says He is, He died on the cross, He was buried, He rose again, and now He lives and, 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 and reigns at the right hand of the Father... If you really believe that and you've accepted that in your heart, you are in the race. You have begun the race. And then the race advances with the Holy Spirit of God. You see, our moment of salvation is just the beginning of our Christian life. We should be striving to to become better Christians, learning more about who He is and what He's done for us. God gives the grace Uh, To every Christian runner, the ability to navigate the racetrack of his or her life successfully. From God's word, we learn how to live a victorious Christian life. And through God's grace, we are empowered to do it. God gives us the strength. We just have to continue to run. Let us see, run without weights. Run without weights. You say, Pastor, what do you mean by that? Have you ever seen a marathon runner arrive on the racetrack with a winter coat and some heavy boots and a backpack filled with snacks? That's how I would show up. While there's nothing wrong with any of these items, 
A runner works to make himself as light as possible. As aerodynamic as possible, if I could put it to you that way. Can I tell you that even as a Christian, we ought to do the very same thing. Look at Hebrews chapter 12 with me in verse number 2. Look what it says. No, I'm sorry, verse number 1. The Bible says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us. You see, even Christians can have weights in their life in this Christian race. You see, when he's going to the race, he will choose a lightweight clothing and set aside anything that would weigh him down while he is running. You see, weights for the Christian runner may include activities. It may include habits or relationship that pull his or her heart back from pursuing Christ. Paul chose to set aside anything that would restrict him from pressing forward. You say, Pastor, are, are activities bad? No. Are having habits bad? No. Are having relationships wrong? No. But anything that pulls us back from doing what God wants us to do is a weight. It's a weight. Listen, church. If we're not cautious and careful in our Christian life, our comfort level will get so high in who we are and what we do that literally our comfort level becomes our weight. Let me give you an example. And she's here this morning, so I'm going to tell this story and then I'll get in trouble later. I don't do this often, but here it comes. Our very first missions trip that we ever decided to go on. I have flown many times in my life. When I worked in the armored car industry, I would have to fly different places. And, and uh, it, flying never has bothered me. I actually enjoy flying. My favorite part of flying is taking off and landing. I love it. I know, I'm weird. You don't have to tell me that. But I remember going to her. I came home from the office one day and I sat down and I said, Hey, honey. She said, Yeah. And I said, I, I've got a question for you. She said, okay. I said, um, I'd like to go to Romania. She's like, well, that's nice. And I said, but I'd like for you to go with me. She goes, well, that's always good. And so she said, well, how long of a flight is it? And I said, well, it's about 18 hours. And she said, like over the ocean? And I said, yes. Now you understand that our little Mataniah was less than a year old at this point. And she says to me, I can't do that and neither can you because your boys need to have a dad. And planes crash. And I told her, I said, we're going to pray about it. And she said, okay. So we began to pray about it. I let her pray about it. I didn't bother her for a little while and I prayed about it. And I, I literally, I pray, God, if this really is your will that you want us to do this, you are going to have to give my wife, I mean, like really a lot of peace about this. So I called my mom and I said, hey, 
we're thinking about going on a missions trip. Would you come and watch the boys if we decided to do this? My mom agreed to it. I went back to her and I said, see, honey, it's all falling into place. She said, over the ocean? She came to me a few weeks later. She said, Lee, I think we should go. And I said, okay. The night before we were to leave, she looked at me and she said, would you be mad at me if I said I wasn't going? (laughs) I said, honey, there are 25 of us going. I need you to go with me. Tears just started flowing down her face. She said, I can't. She said, I can't do it. And we began to pray. We woke up at about 5.30 the next morning. And I looked at her and I said, honey, you got to decide now. This is the moment. I said, I'm not going to be mad at you either way. I said, but I want you to realize something, that God gave you peace about this. I said, and now, literally, your flesh is fighting against it. I said, if we truly believe that God wants us to do this, then we truly believe that God's going to bring us back home. She said, let's go. We got in the car. We drove. We picked up everybody else. We drove to the airport. We got on that plane, and I'll never forget it. We sat down, that team came on and did all the pre-flight stuff. She grabbed a hold of my arm and she put it real close to her face and she just began to cry. And I said, are you okay? And she said, I will be. And I said, okay. And I remember we took off and there was a big screen in front of us that showed you exactly where you were at while you were traveling. That was a big ocean. (laughs) And I remember her looking at me and saying, God's going to take care of all of this. We got to Romania, we did our thing, we got back on the plane and we were flying back home. And right before we landed, she looked at me and she said, I knew God would take care of it. I just had to get myself out of the way. Can I tell you something, church? That's reality for all of us. God wants me to do what? God wants me to to go where? God wants me to teach who? Do you know who I am, God? Yeah, God knows exactly who you are. What you got to do is you got to get yourself out of the way. So that God can do what he wants to do. And the moment that we get ourselves out of the way, then we realize that God's got this amazing plan that's beyond our imagination or expectation. Now, if you went to my wife and you said, hey, are you going to Africa? She would say yes. If you asked her, are you afraid of flying? She would say yes. Why? There's still flesh. But when we put ourselves out of the way and let God do and what he's going to do for the rest of it and trust him, our race can be so much lighter along the way. 
If we're not dragging ourselves, but whether we're running the race, we will be successful. Letter D, and this is the tough one. Run with patience. Run with patience. If you're not a runner, you may not think of the words run and patience in the same sentence. After all, if you're running, you want to get somewhere fast. But if you've invested your time and energy in grueling practices and willed yourself to the finish line on a racetrack, you understand the importance of being patient while you run. Patience in a race is the ability to endure unto the finish line. It's the inner strength to refuse to become frustrated and quit when one is exhausted, cramping, or even injured. Can I tell you, perhaps you're experiencing difficulties and have been tempted to fall out of your Christian race. Don't give up. Instead, grow in patience. Don't give up. Hebrews chapter 10 says, Cast not away therefore your confidence which hath a great recompense of reward. For ye have need of patience that after ye have done the will of God ye might receive the promise. Number three, and I'm going to be quick. Where do we run? Why do we run? How do we run? And where do we run? Where do we run, pastor? We've got the why and we've got the how. Let's finish it out with where we're going. The fastest, I want you to really get this. The fastest, strongest, most agile runner will never win if he's on the wrong racetrack. Right? He'll never win if he's on the wrong racetrack. As Christians, we must be careful that we run the race Christ has set before us. Are you with me? I I can't run somebody else's race. In other words, I can't look at Pastor A or Pastor B down here and say, Oh man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the things that they do. I'm going to be like they're being. No, God didn't call me to run that race. God called me to run this race. Right? Oh, but I wish that my life was like them. So I'm going to imitate them. No, Jesus said it's rather to put confidence in God rather than man. Run your race. Be who you are. Don't try to be somebody else. God has made you and designed your race just for you. Then, don't choose your own direction. Don't say, well, God wants me to do this, but I think I'm probably better at this. Can I remind you of the old saying, God's not looking for our ability He's looking for our availability. That's what God's looking for. First of all, we're to run to Christ. I I love this thought. When we talk about where to run, we're going to run to Christ. During the earthly ministry of Jesus, multitudes ran to him and found that he could meet every need. Look Look at these passages just very quickly. Mark chapter 5, but when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran. What does it say? And worshipped him. He ran to Jesus. Mark chapter 6 and verse 33. And the people saw them departing and many knew him. And ran a foot thither out of all the cities. And out went them and came together unto him. I mean they came running from everywhere. Because there was Jesus. We're running, listen, 
just like they were running, we're running to our hope. We're running to our hope. Mark chapter 6, and ran throughout the whole region round about and began to carry about in beds those that were sick where they heard that Jesus was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or countries, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch it. Or excuse me, touch him. If it were the border of his garment and as many as touched him were made whole. What did they see? They saw hope. So what did they do? They ran. They ran to Jesus. Jesus always had the answer for those who came to him. Their running was never in vain. Can I tell you something today? When you need him, run to him. When you need him, run to him. Go run to Jesus. He will be there to help you. And then let her be and I'm done. Run to the finish line. Run to the finish line. Run to Jesus. And he will run to the finish line with you. I was watching an Olympic recap uh, not too long ago. There was a little video on social media. And it showed this lady who was about three quarters of a mile from the finish line. And runners were racing past her. She had fallen and it looked as if and after the news report was over, they confirmed that she had broken her ankle and her leg in a fall. And she was laying there in the middle of the racetrack. But what she had done is she had rolled herself over and she was beginning to crawl and pulling her leg to try to get to the finish line. All of a sudden, the last runner came around the bend, knowing that she was already in last place. Ran right up to the lady, grabbed her, and carried her the rest of the way. Wait for it. This is where it really gets good. She stopped just prior to the finish line, took her, and set her over the line first. And then she crossed over. (laughs) When I get beat down, when things are not going as well as I think they ought to, When it seems like the enemy has done broken and hurt me. Jesus will pick me up. And he will carry me to the finish line. Listen, I just have to be running to him. Because that is where the prize is. Runners have one goal in mind, the finish line. They are willing to endure fatigue, pain and heat. Just across the line, even if they collapse on the other side of exhaustion. Second Timothy chapter 4, and I'm done. Here it is. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, look what it says, but unto all them Also, that love his appearing. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me?